Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Wouldn't it have been a lot better for these attendants? I know this would have been risky to the king. But wouldn't it have been a lot better for these attendants to say to to Saul, maybe you should repent, God will forgive you. Because really, if that would have happened, we wouldn't have the need for all the rest of this. But they didn't. So they're going to try to find music to give what? Simply a temporary fix. You know, we're big time in the temporary fixes. But God wants to fix our heart. That's a long-term fix. Too often, people try to fix the symptom rather than doing the work of addressing the underlying problem in their lives. It's easier to get larger clothes rather than admit that you're gaining weight and need to use some self-control when it comes to eating and maybe increase your physical activity. Pastor Mark will be teaching that Saul's servants took the same approach. Instead of encouraging the king to get right with God, they sought to soothe him with music. You'll be encouraged too. Unlike Saul, be honest with yourself. Seek God and make any changes in your life you need to. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 16 as he continues in his series called The Life of David. Samuel 16, 13. You remember that God taught the prophet Samuel something very important. That God looks on the heart while man is usually focused on the outside. All the brothers were there. Samuel had been called to go and anoint the next king of Israel. He was clueless. So they sent for the little boy that was out in the field, the shepherd. He came in. Verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. Now remember that because you'll see some amazing things happen that was happening in the hearts of the brothers. And from that day on, The Spirit of the Lord came, if you have your Bibles and you like to write in it, you can circle this word, upon David, upon, in power. Then Samuel went to Ramah. We learn that one day in the life of David changed him forever. He was privately anointed king of Israel, but he would wait 25 years before being crowned. The next day, 
and you'll see this a lot in the next few chapters, David simply went back to his sheep to work in the fields. No doubt wondering what in the world just happened. And what does that mean for me? But what really changed the life of David was what you just saw was the anointing of God's spirit on his life. You see, immediately David was changed because these extraordinary gifts of God's spirit, including strength and courage and wisdom and all the other qualities that he would need that would allow him to function in this new role, were now available for him. It was not a work of the flesh. It was indeed a work of the Spirit. Now, all of this should sound a little familiar to you and I. And let me just say this. There's so much in the life of David that's really exactly like the life of Jesus. In fact, many times you can just correlate them together and you'll begin seeing that as we go through the scripture. Let me just remind you of a couple of things because what we just read there, it should remind you of the truths we've studied about in the New Testament and the great relevance of being baptized in the Spirit for every Christ follower. The empowering of the Holy Spirit upon David was symbolized by the anointing of oil on his Head. Now, it wasn't just a little drop of oil. He was drenched with oil. He was drenched with oil. The empowering of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus, you remember that day that he walked into the water, the Spirit came upon Jesus the exact same for one reason. And what was that symbolism? The symbolism was the dove, the Holy Spirit came upon him to empower him from that day forward, just exactly like David. You see, Jesus did no miracles until the day that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, in the upper room, the disciples were ready to go and change the world. And Jesus told them, no, you must go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And you remember when that happened, the tongues of fire came on them. They began to have a heavenly language. And from that day forward, that word upon is a challenge to you and I. Ephesians 5.18, later, the apostle Paul would simply say this, do not get drunk on wine. Don't let that influence your life which leads to nothing but debauchery, but you instead command, be filled with the Spirit. So let me just remind you a little bit about that because as we're going through David, we're going to see how in the world can he do what he hasn't been trained to do. He's a shepherd. How in the world does that work in our lives? Well, how can you and I do what we've been called to do? It's by the empowering of the Spirit of God. So God never commanded us to do something that he wouldn't do. And so when he says to be filled with the Spirit, that's a concept, that's a principle of victorious living. Many times people come to me and say, Pastor Mark, I'm not victorious. I just can't seem to be steady and just moving along in my walk with God. That's usually the key. 
And the key is that we're not filled with the Spirit of God, or we're not coming under his influence, but we're trying to do this thing in our own self. So let me just remind you tonight, we've talked about this a number of times, but good for you just to write it down, for all of us to write it down tonight. What does it mean to be filled? It means to be controlled by, or to come under the influence of, the Holy Spirit. To be spirit-filled is continually to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That means that influence will have great relevance. We don't have time tonight in Ephesians chapter 5 just to go on there. It'll have great relevance because it will affect my speech. It will affect my attitude. It will affect my thoughts and my actions. And really, it'll affect all my relationships. And remind you, it's not a one-time filling that we live out the rest of our lives, but it's a constant asking of God to fill me, something that you and I understand needs to be done really on a daily basis. And even though we haven't studied about the Holy Spirit for quite a while, it's good to remind us today that it's a moment-by-moment dependence on that which the Spirit wants to do in my life. You know this, and this is always a challenge to me. It's not an option. The spirit-filled life is essential. It's absolutely essential. And so maybe you're here tonight, and you want to hear about the life of David. Well, if you can hear about the life of David, you're going to hear about the anointing of God upon him. That's what makes the life of David worth studying. And that's what makes the life of God powerful in you and me as well. Now, notice the challenge we have. We're not challenged to be kings here of Israel. But notice what our challenge was in John 14, 12. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. What Jesus Christ was saying is, you will need that abiding helper, that abiding teacher. You will need that guide in every aspect of your life. And you know here, in this fellowship, we believe the scripture teaches us that there is a distinct and separate experience from the indwelling of the spirit, which obviously takes place at conversion. Every person that is a believer at converted has the Holy Spirit living in them. But we believe there's something different. There is a baptism of the spirit that enters the son to a lifestyle called the spirit filled life, which then allows you and I to do the ministry no matter what it is that you and I have been called to do. Without that, we will never accomplish. We will never reach the potential that God has for us. So this is exactly what David would do. What I try to do in my life very often, so you'll understand, I just will start my day with prayer and basically say, God, I need your spirit today. I need your wisdom today. I prayed this morning for a situation that had come up yesterday. God, I don't know how to handle that, but I'm trusting you. And just fill me and use me to change the lives of people. That's what you and I need to do. You see, we have not because we ask not. And pretty soon we just go through one day to the next day to the next day. And all of a sudden, the week's gone. And we made all these things and forgot that the spirit of God was there to empower us, to give us wisdom, to give us direction for every aspect of our life. So while you're having your devotion tomorrow morning, just humbly say to God, God, fill me. I want to come under your influence. I want to be what you want me to be. Now, talk about contrast. Look at verse 14. 
Verse 13, the spirit of the Lord comes upon David. Look at verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. You're going to see it twice this amazing principle. We see in verse 14, two kingdoms that are opposing each other. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Spiritual warfare is real. And by the way, you want to be on God's side, not the other side. Now, how do we explain what happened here? We really don't know totally. Other than, evidently, God allowed, and since he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants. He allowed a demonic spirit to come and oppress Saul. Maybe as a punishment for turning away from God. Maybe to bring him back to God. Though God himself, we know in the scripture, does not do evil, sometimes he sends evil agents to accomplish his purposes. That's hard for us to understand. But you remember when Israel, as a nation, went away from God, what happened? God sent the what? The Babylonians to take care of them. To bring them into what? 70 years of captivity. So God can use all kinds of things. What was happening with Pharaoh? I mean, all kinds of things are happening to the children of Israel. So God can do whatever. And we're not sure exactly, exactly what happened. But there's some interesting things because medically today we have some kind of insights maybe to look into it. But we really don't know. But I'll just give you a couple of them. It seems like God permitted this depression. Dr. Rendell Short says this. The periods of intense gloom with occasional outbreaks of violence for no particular reason, the delusion that people were plotting against him, we'll see this over and over again, are unmistakable signs, Dr. Rendell Short says, of manic depressive insanity, some type of demonic oppressions. And any of you that understand manic depression, you understand that it's that amazing high and then this amazing low. Well, that could be it. Now, we're not saying tonight that anybody that's manic depressed, of course, has a demon or whatever. Sometimes it's just physical. But there are aspects of this that are all spiritual without really any physical means to it. It's interesting, Josephus, the great historian of Israel, he says this as he studied this. As he looked at the wording, he says, it, for King Saul, it made him hard to breathe. So in other words, it just captured his whole body. Now, what is the application of that when we look at that personally? You need to understand this next statement. You don't need to write it down in this. This is new to you. If it is new, you want to write it down. Well, Pastor Mark, then that means I can be possessed by a demon now that I'm a believer? No, not at all. Notice, no Christ follower can be possessed Can I be oppressed? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. But can I be possessed? No. When the Holy Spirit came into you, and by the way, if you're a Christian tonight, where does the Holy Spirit live? Hello? Right here. I heard it said like this. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, it's forever. 
And by the way, he doesn't rent rooms to Satan. I like it. That's not really, really theological, but it's perfect. It's perfect. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, Satan has no part in us. Now, there was times in the past, and I remember in the 70s and the 80s when we came here, there was people that believed that. And there was Christians claiming, you know, well, I'm overweight because there's an, a, the demon came in me. No, the reason they were overweight is they didn't know how to do this. They didn't know how to do this, push against the table and get up when they've had enough to eat. So we make fun of it, but people were crazy in those days because they didn't understand this simple principle that no Christ follower can be possessed by a demon. Now, verse 15. Now Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Now let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. Well, let me just stop right there. Wouldn't it have been a lot better for these attendants? I know this would have been risky to the king. But wouldn't it have been a lot better for these attendants to say to to Saul, maybe you should repent, God will forgive you. Because really, if that would have happened, we wouldn't have the need for all the rest of this. But they didn't. So they're going to try to find music to give what? Simply a temporary fix. You know, we're big time into temporary fixes. But God wants to fix our heart. That's a long-term fix. So what happens? Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. So instead of getting to the heart issue, they're going to bring the Tijuana brass in and solve the issue in his heart. So Saul said to his attendants, probably like when he's really feeling bad, find someone who plays well, he's at least that good, and bring him to me. And one of the, I think this is really interesting, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man. And you want to underline this in your Bible. And the Lord is with him. Amazingly, God ordains for David in our passage in the next chapter as well, as we go through, is you moving back and forth between the shepherd's fields to the palace, to the valley of Elah. He's just moving back and forth. But isn't it interesting that he already has a reputation and he's known for music and bravery and courage. Probably they're speaking of there, the victories over the bear and the lion, which he would speak about later. But the whole key was this, and the Lord is with him. Now, here's a really good study. You can go through the Bible and look at all the places. If you have any kind of a computer program, just put that little word in there. God was with him. And look at all the different places you'll find that. Now, I want to ask you a question. How do you know that God's with somebody? Remember? Godly character. No ganguzo. They're positive. They're what? They're upright. They're people of integrity. You love to be around them. All of those things. They're light in a dark place. Well, should we be known? Should people go, you know, you talked to me about the Lord, but I wasn't really open, but 
my marriage is falling apart now. And I can tell you're a godly person. Could I sit down and talk with you? Should that be a routine in our life? Should it? Yes, it should. It's not because I wear this big Calvary Chapel sticker or I got my baseball hat, Jesus loves you. It should be something in our character that we're known for men and women that walk with God. That's huge. See, that's a bright light to a world who will come to our door asking, how can you help me? How can you help me? Remember, Daniel had that a number of times. Well, there's somebody that can interpret dreams. Joseph, there's somebody that has God with them. That's what I want in my life. By the way, David and Jesus, look at this verse, Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Same exact thing. And that's what I want in my life. Later, David would write this in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. God, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. I want you to write these down. You heard me already say them tonight. But these are three keys to our life as a Christian. God in us, God with us, and God for us. If God is not in you tonight, you're not a believer. Romans 8 says we can't call ourselves a believer if the Spirit of God doesn't reside in us. Not only that, God is not only in us, but he's with us every single day. Remember, we're working out our salvation. He's in us. He's working with us. He's providing that energy. He's providing the spirit of God to help us. And then last, of course, Romans chapter 8, he's not against you tonight. He's for you. Circumstances might be against you. The world might be against you. People might be against you. The economy is against you. But God is for us tonight. And we can never go away from his presence. Well, verse 19, then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son, David. Here he is again, who's with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son, David, to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. In today's message, you were reminded by Pastor Mark that there are consequences to your decisions. You could clearly see the differences in the lives of Saul and David, that who they chose to follow for guidance took them to quite different destinations. The importance of having the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life was reiterated as well. 
Trusting in your own wisdom leads to destruction. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the life of David. He'll be contrasting the outcomes of Saul and David focusing on the role of the Holy Spirit in David's life. In addition, David's attitude of being a servant of both his father as well as of the king will be held up as an example of how you should be thinking about living your life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor David will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.